and this is Weird As. Hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, ready for the clap? Yep, I've been always ready for the clap. One, two, three. <laughs> oh, God, no. that's so out of sync. Ready? One, two, three. There we go. All oh, right. God. I'll be able to figure it out. It's closer than last time when I was just recording like 10 minutes of just bullets. Oh, well, how have you been? Good. I'm glad to be working from home for the rest of the week because oh, nice. I need to be working. I need to take a blood test tomorrow, though. Oh, what for? Nothing exciting. I'm just oh. getting that thyroid testing done. Oh, uh, yep, yep, yep. I've got hypothyroidism, so. Yeah, you told me, which made me feel better about it because yeah. it doesn't sound like the drug is, like, ruining your life. No. Oh, God, no. No, no, no. <laughs> it's, it's like, I'll take it. It's like taking a vitamin. It's nothing. Okay, that makes me feel better. I mean, it might not even be that. I might just be a chronically sleepy bitch, but I'd I'd rather know. Yeah, yeah. Well, there you go. And also, um, if you're a chronically constipated bitch, it'll help with that. Oh, I'm not. Oh, okay. I poop like three times a day. Oh, well then, mm. yeah, you're fine. But I don't think I poop too much. Yeah. I, <laughs> I, um, I did some hella poos when I was a kid before they diagnosed me with hypothyroidism. My sister has a very vivid memory of coming to the only bathroom our house had and my dad just had a long stick in there breaking it up and he just turned no. around and looked at my sister and went, occupied. Oh. <laughs> oh my God. And then she said that what was most memorable to her was that, ah, sorry, one second. Annie, no, not a prayer. No, it's not. <laughs> um that was a protest and a half yeah well she's very dramatic um my poo was apparently like you know how it would be circular coming out of your butthole it was apparently more triangular like a big Toblerone stick oh I was thinking like one of those um play-doh shape makers oh yeah a bit like that shapes like that yeah yeah like that but brown play-doh yeah they never released brown play-doh no, I think for a good damn good reason. <laughs> <laughs> the amount of parents that would scar. <laughs> oh gosh. <laughs> yeah, well you chaos. you can I know I know you and I know you're probably gonna keep all of that in. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, potentially. Ah, uh, triangular you know, poo. You know what? You know I run everything by you anyway. If <laughs> yeah, you, I decide, know. you know, if you decide and you know. Gap, I'm running for government, I need you to take the triangular poop bit out. I can take it out. <laughs> yeah. But uh, otherwise it's staying in. Yeah, well, if you uh yeah, if you believe in healthy poos, vote one for Anna Spark. <laughs> She's lived it, so you don't have Never to. Never be constipated. <laughs> yeah. That's a big promise. I think you'd really win a lot of the uh, elderly constituents. I, I definitely would. Um, and then I'd disappoint them because I've got no idea on how not to be constipated. <laughs> I think it's got something to do with fiber, but I'm never really no. sure. It's on my shopping what list. Fiber is. I'm just going to buy the supplement because I got given a list of foods from my doctor of what has fiber in it. And I'm like, cool. But you know what definitely has fiber in it? Better fiber. Better fiber. That's true. <laughs> yeah, but bread has fiber in it and bread's yummy. Yeah, true. And yeah, there's loads of yummy shit that has fiber in it. But to be honest, it's I've got like IBS, iron, so it's, it's like, one oh, or the other. I get to eat spinach. Great. <laughs> I'm doing that. Yeah. But anyway, my, my poo consistency swings like a pendulum of disappointment and regret. Oh, gosh. <laughs> I've, never, I've never seen such a sorrowful look on your face while holding a glass of red wine and about, talking about poop. <laughs> poop. <laughs> poop. 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 <laughs> oh, well, I can, I can tell you a quick story about poop. Um, did I tell you about what happened straight after my 30th? No. So I got so severely constipated that my mum actually could hear me from the garden in her ensuite crying and begging my poo to just come out. <laughs> I just was wow. begging with my bowels. And so she was like, right, that's it. We're going to ER. Went to ER and then had to wait for like eight hours because rude, a load of car accident trauma victims came in and they needed to be seen to first beyond the girl that just couldn't shit so inconsiderate i know right so i was there for eight hours and then they put they put me in a cupboard room for most of it 
And then finally the doctors come in to come see me and he's the cutest English boy ever. Yeah. And I'm like, great. So this is my, this is the universe's 30th birthday present for me. You get a cute guy that is never going to be interested in you looking at your asshole. Fantastic. And then he told me that the um, at-home enemas that I did would have actually just made everything worse, which was interesting. Didn't realize. You were doing at-home enemas? Yeah, where you put them up your bum, like proper ones. I wasn't just using like a water bottle or anything. Yeah. You weren't just shooting your shower. With the garden hose. (laughs) Yes. No, they were (laughs) they were pharmacy grade. (laughs) Pharmacy grade. I don't think you should do those things. I don't know. I don't really love that stuff. I just feel like leave it alone for the most part. Our bodies know what to do. Well, I tried that for the first few hours, and then that wasn't working, so I had to go to the end. Yeah, and you know, to be honest, a hot guy looking at your butthole. That that's not a terrible time. When it it's is like consensual. Yes, it is because it, it was not like I hadn't prepared for a hot man to oh, look at my butthole, yeah, and I also the butthole was unready. Yeah, that's and that. with what it was going through, it was never going to be ready. Mm, that's true. She had stage fright. <laughs> yeah. Oh well, my this god! Is incredibly um, inappropriate, given what we're talking about. <laughs> oh no! Gear change. <laughs> It's fine. It's fine. It might be nice to have a little bit of levity before we get into the like heavy stuff. Okay. So whatever. It was in a barn. Who gives a shit? It was in a barn. Oh, oh my yeah. god. Rural schools are not it for like, you know, we're not doing sexy gossip girl locations for our fall. We're yes. in a fucking local barn. One <laughs> kid got dropped off in like a fire truck. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Oh, I want to get dropped off in a fire truck. I mean, yeah, that would be pretty fun. Yeah. It was pretty, I got dropped off from my dad's friend's Ferrari, which was also pretty fun. That is, okay, no, that would, I'd take that one over the fire truck. The fire truck is a novelty <laughs> thing. Ferrari. Oh, like, be, oh. Yeah, it's, it was pretty cool. Yeah. I felt pretty cool. <laughs> you would have been, like Ferrari, <laughs> fuck yeah. Any trigger yeah. warnings to put out? Uh, yeah. Okay. okay. Yeah. Um, but we'll, we'll jump into that. That's okay. I've got the trigger warnings there. Okay. Um, and I'm going to put in the time period of when people can skip past stuff if they want to oh good on you yeah i just like it's easier no one needs to be traumatized it's meant to be fun yeah but i don't get to skip oh fuck no you're in, <laughs> you're in it baby you ain't going anywhere <laughs> if you skip then i'm like okay you're just, just talking me. to yourself and i'm just like na 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 and is crying and cold. i'm just like can i unblock my ears yet it's like no anna you were never meant to do that you were supposed to listen to the whole story broke as broke as yeah this is our broke as day yeah yeah well quickly segment on broke as gabby what are you drinking oh god i feel so cold out i am drinking <clears throat> chilled water lime juice and tequila <laughs> it's a poor woman's margarita <laughs> that's right poor poor broke as woman <laughs> <laughs> to be honest i would have put margarita mix in it but i just didn't have any and i was like listen i, I feel like a little drink don't have the shit going with the water yeah look you got to do what you got to do hey i can't judge i'm drinking eight dollar wine and the bottle has eight standard drinks in it so that's a dollar a drink that's a fucking bargain though mm-hmm. break that down talk about you know being all what's the word frugal oh yes i literally don't know the word for frugal that's how unfrugal i am <laughs> <laughs> are you feeling ready i am to feel a little bit sad have a little vape Thank feel you. a little sad <laughs> have a little vape and feel a little sad <laughs> my whole life I was originally going to call this series unsung heroes but then I remembered that if I'm reading about them you know they're not unsung I'm reading about stuff off the internet I'm reading newspaper articles and a lot of the time the people I talk about have been you know officially awarded in some capacity so thankfully their praises have been sung yes but you know so I kind of changed the topic a little bit I kind of changed the title so now it's gonna be hometown heroes okay cute I like that a little bit different um and our first hero is uh, out of Sydney, actually. Oh, so nice. yeah. well, I don't usually associate Sydney with many heroes. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> oh, oh, wow. Jo- okay. No, no, I'm joking. I've got, I've got family in Sydney. Right <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you, of course. Sorry. 
<laughs> well, I want to just give a little bit of a, a trigger warning for the first story um, because it does discuss suicide. And if this is something that you feel like you're not able to, you know, hear about, think about right now, just skip ahead. Just editing Gabby here. Our second story about Nicholas Winton begins at 27 minutes and 8 seconds if you want to skip ahead to that one. We don't want to trigger no one. No, we don't want to make, just, the whole point is to have a nice time. We don't want to upset yeah. anyone, that's not the point. Yeah, and also if you are feeling that way, please remember that things do get better and there are people to call and talking about it is the one thing that the depression goblins don't want you to do. So Exactly, and I have got out. some contacts at the end of this episode if you do feel like anything that we've discussed today brought up some feelings and you want to have a chat about it, yeah. um, please reach out to anyone in those contacts. Yeah. You know, help is available. Help is it's available and mental health care plans are the shit. I'm on one. I've got three professionals watching my every move to make sure that I don't hurt myself. Absolutely. She says as she, she's down to half a bottle of wine already. <laughs> no, no, wine is part of the, the treatment plan. Yeah, it's, like it's a depressant. Treatment. It makes right. me feel right. things. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> you want it to be numb? What's wrong with you, yeah. people? Exactly. Oh, yeah. Exactly. Balance here. Balance is essential. Absolutely. Our first hero was born in the eastern suburbs of Sydney in 1926. Like many young men at the time, when World War II broke out, he enlisted to serve in the Royal Navy. Don was there to witness Japanese surrender on a ship in Tokyo Bay in 1945. Ooh, that pretty amazing. That would have been amazing and rough and a crazy thing to actually witness Japanese people do because we know that they are all about honour and they yeah. are very rare to surrender, which, you know, I'm not taking sides in World War Two. I think you can assume which side I was on, but um, it, I'm Horrible glad they did. things happened on both ends. Like, yeah, yeah. And yeah. Churchill isn't the angel that we make him out to be. But anywho. Yeah. <laughs> that is a separate separate one that probably has been covered by behind the bus. <laughs> yeah, most likely. <laughs> so while serving in World War II is no small feat, it would not be what Don Ritchie would be known for. In 1964, after a long, successful corporate career, Don and his wife Moira and their daughters moved into a house across the road from Jacob's Ladder, the southern end of what is known as the Gap. To any Sydney locals listening, what I'm going to say next won't be surprising. But despite its beautiful views of the Tasman Sea, the area has become an infamous spot for suicides. In more recent times, preventative measures have been put in place to offer support to people who go to the gap looking to end their own lives. There is now security cameras, an inward-leaning fence, lifeline phone booths, and information boards with contact information for Beyond Blue and the Black Dog. So it, it's changed a lot since then. Good. Which is, which is nice. It's yeah. good. It's like if there's a problem, you can't just, you know. Yeah, there's there's loads of warning signs all the way there. And wait, when when did Dom go there? Dom Richie. So Don Don and his family moved there in 1964. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So before all these were in place. So. But yeah, and before people were even really talking about mental health. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. like my was not mental health friendly. Yeah, my my mum used to say to me, "Oh, it feels like your generation is more mentally ill than the previous generations," and I'm like, "No." We're just as mentally no. ill as you guys were. We're just talking about it. Yeah, and we don't allow lobotomies anymore. <laughs> yeah, thank God for that. Although, Let's be honest, we could both be lobotomized. Yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> so before suicide prevention was in place, there was Don. From the time he lived in that house until his death in May 2012, Don rescued strangers he saw in distress with nothing but a kind word, though his daughter does recall one instance of him crash-tackling someone. You know, sometimes you have to go with the rough route. Like, yeah. Oh, that sounded more sexual than I meant it to. But. <laughs> no, no. Yeah, if it's someone's so feeling suicidal, maybe that. don't immediately go to rough rudum. Like that probably isn't what they're looking for right now. No. <laughs> but but sometimes maybe if it was more timing wise, he just has only got this amount of time. Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah. If the traditional way he was working with it didn't work, he you know he was not afraid to take action. Mm-hmm. Good for him. Don would typically approach the stranger, arms out, and ask if he could help them in any way. A lot of the time he would invite them in for a cup of tea. Oh, what a sweetheart. Oh, you this episode is full of emotions. <sighs> so Don was officially given the Medal of the Order of Australia for his kind-hearted rescues, and as of 2009, it is estimated he saved at least 160 people from ending their own lives. But his family think the number is closer to 500. Oh, this earned Don the nickname the Angel of the Gap. Oh, wow. 
What a legend. 500? Yeah. Let's go with 500. Oh, my I, gosh. I, and they would know. That's the thing. It's like, yeah, you can estimate all you like, but at the end of the day, his family are the ones that live with him. Yeah. They're that's, going to know. Yeah, 500 tea bags. Yeah, that's a lot of tea. Yeah, that's a lot of tea. The government should have been subsidising his tea tea costs. I think it was just kind of a – it was you, no one ever knew about it. He just yeah. went out and spoke to people. Yeah. Years later, many of the people Don rescued would come back to thank him for helping them. In 2002, 2002? 2002. 2002. 2012, Don was asked to choose someone he felt exemplified the word Australia to promote the Australian Day Awards. He chose Samson and his donkey. Another hero in their own right, Mm. Samson and his donkey, but we will cover that another time. Well, give me a little lowdown. Who's Samson and their donkey? Oh, Okay. Oh, did you hear about it in school? Do you know about Samson well, the Donkey? Well, this is where my um, English upbringing comes in. Oh, I, right. Yeah, there's a load of, like, I had no idea about the um, sex ed giraffe until someone tried telling me oh, about it at a party. Harold? Yeah, and I thought, oh. you are insane. And also, why did Australia pick a giraffe for sex ed when we've got koalas with chlamydia? It's a good point, but giraffes are very naturally sexy. Yeah, They've but they're not. Very long legs. They're not from here. Neither are a lot of Australians. Yeah, but koalas have an STD, and they're here. Koalas, <laughs> fucking. Yeah, but also, who wants to get into the back of a van to talk about how to to meet a man who is essentially just a employed puppeteer, which are rare anyway, and and. <laughs> With his hand up a giraffe's ass, telling you about sex. It never seemed weird. No one ever questioned it. We were all like, "Yay, the healthy Harold van, let's go!" Because it wasn't just about sex. It was like you'd learn all about the different organs in the body, and it was like exciting. Like oh. it was like interactive. It was really fun. Honestly, interactive stuff in the back of a van is usually exciting. <laughs> exactly. I'm all about interactive stuff in the back of a van. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but Samson and the donkey, tell me quickly. Give me okay, a little so Samson and his Samsung? Samsung and right. his donkey. <laughs> Samson, Samson and his donkey. So they were heroes in World War I. Oh, yeah. And Samson was a soldier who traveled along um, in you know the trenches and the dangerous parts of the war. Because obviously Australians, as an early country at that point, mm. quote unquote, early country, early a young seven. country, quote unquote. Yeah. Um, were kind of used as fodder for, uh. for a lot of military operations. Mm. So Samson would take his donkey and rescue people uh, in incredibly dangerous situations yeah. at risk of getting shot himself, put them on the back of his donkey and carry them to safety. Oh, and that donkey deserves a medal as well. Absolutely. That donkey didn't really know what was going on, but do you know what? He could have been shot too and yeah. he was brave. Yeah. So yeah, he's one of kind of a, a folk legend in Australia. That is so sweet. Well, thank you yeah. for educating me. Okay, back yeah. to yeah. back to John Ritchie. I did. I was actually going to put something about that because I was like, "Oh, and surely I don't know." And I just went about it. <laughs> um. <laughs> Never assume that I know things. Okay, good. Good to go. keep that in mind from here on in. <laughs> oh God, Don's daughter said he chose this. His choice epitomized him in, in every, as an everyday person who did an extraordinary thing for many people that saved lives without any want of recognition. Game recognized game. Yeah, what a legend. Don and his wife would also be awarded Citizens of the Year in 2010 and Don a Local Hero Award in 2011. Now, it would be a disservice to Don to not allow him to speak for himself, so here he is, the man, the legend. Yeah, we've, we'd been here only a short time before I realised that uh, a lot of people were coming over here and looking at the view and uh, next thing I'd find they'd disappeared. We've been here so long, 40 years, 45 years nearly. We've been involved in lots of these incidents and uh, it's just become part of a way of life for me to sort of sell them the idea that uh, why not come over, talk about it and see how we can fix it. Over the years whether it's 160 or 260 or somebody talking about 400 the other day. Uh, I have spoken to many, many of them just that way of saying, what are you doing over here? Please come and talk to me. Come over and have a cup of tea. 
come and have a beer or something like that to get them away from their mind, away from going over while I'm there. And that's the uh, selling of the idea of coming over and talk about it. Tell me why you, what are you worried about? A big percentage of them came and talked to me. Oh, he's so sweet. I, look, firstly, I have to say, because I lost my, my first granddad died when my dad was nine and my second granddad died when I was four. So Aww. I have this weird thing is the wrong word because it sounds like I'm fetishizing, <laughs> but I love old men <laughs> just because <laughs> I, I never felt like I got to have one for myself. <laughs> <laughs> so I think if I was in a real low spot and Don walks over and says, want to come have a beer with me? I would be like, yeah, all right. Like, yeah. and he sounds like the biggest sweetheart. And often, you know, yeah, sometimes people do just need to talk. And a lot of the times, once they do talk, especially to someone who's an objective observer, their problems become more clearly solvable than they would have thought beforehand. And yeah, yeah, that's true. And sometimes it's like an outsider perspective. It's yeah. like, and in person is particularly nice because yes, obviously, it's nice to have someone to call, and we absolutely encourage that. But mm. like to have someone physically there at your lowest point to be like, oh wow, you're wow, like someone is right here offering help right now. Yeah, in front of me. Yeah, yeah, better than. I guess a, I would like. <laughs> exactly, better than better than the other options, and also like, especially I think a kind stranger. It, it's it feels it hits different than turning mm. to a friend or a relative because yeah. they I often don't, they don't owe you anything yeah exactly and I feel yeah. like sometimes it's quite difficult to tell your family and friends how you're feeling because you know that they've got so much invested in how they care about you as well that Absolutely. you feel like it like you know in my own experience of suicidal thoughts and suicidal ideation I didn't want to tell my family because I didn't want to hurt them, which is funny yeah. because it's like, yeah, but you doing it would hurt them, you know? Yeah, yeah but at the time you, you don't think like that. And it's like, it's almost like, oh, me wanting to end my life is an affront to your love. Yeah, exactly. And, 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 you know, grief in its own right is almost a selfish act because it is about what you've lost or what you're possibly going to lose, you know? And, and that's sometimes not what people need to, hear or talk about they no. they want yeah, to talk sometimes about. it just needs to be an open book to talk about whatever you want yeah no expectations or like previous history or anything yeah. like that it's just kindness yeah and to and to do it over the ancient art of sharing a drink and having a conversation that is something we have done for millennia and there is something quite healing about the act of of just having that moment with somebody else and yeah, absolutely. Yeah, getting away from the wind of the cliffs and sitting down in someone's warm living room and just having them lit literally just hear you. Yeah, absolutely. Because oh. it's such a, it really is such a beautiful spot. I've driven past it like a lot, mm. and it, it's a real tourist destination. Like the reason I think I haven't fenced it off with like seven foot wide fences is because it would block these incredible views. Yeah, and people love tourists love to be there and walk out on the boardwalk and like look out see like it's stunning it's yeah. a beautiful piece of land but it's also such a jarring place for so many people to choose to end their lives yeah and it's so rugged and it's so final yeah like you do not jump off those cliffs and come back yeah right do we know if they if they end in rocks or if they end in immediate ocean with rocks underneath rocks rocks yeah, unless you were like an Olympic-level diver and you were able to get all the way out. Yeah. Out. Well, we don't really do long-distance diving, do we? We only do no. straight ones, so. <laughs> yeah, I don't think anyone that's thinking that way would be like, oh, yeah, this will be fun. Yeah. Like, it's going to be a bad experience. Yeah. And Don, you know, Don did incredible work, incredible things for so many people. Yeah. Yeah. Like, honestly such a legend i love a kind-hearted old man <laughs> your dad's a kind-hearted old man oh uh, he's he's kind enough <laughs> <laughs> oh i like the dad yeah. everyone loves my dad i love my dad so the don ritchie grove was unveiled in june 2013 and remains a reminder of the kindness of one incredible man 
Don's wife Moira says of the Grove, as well as being a tribute to Don, this is a place where people might find courage and strength to go on and continue with life. Oh, they will. And I like, I don't believe in God, but I do believe in like purpose and not so much fate, but kind of like finding the reason why you should be doing something. And yeah. it feels almost like there was a magical thing putting Don and his wife in that location. He really was an angel. Yeah, yeah. He he needed to be there and, and the world is better off. Think of like 500 people living the rest of their lives. How many more jokes were had? How many more hugs were had? How many more hot meals were enjoyed? How many more outings were taken? Like just yeah, the, the amount true. of like life that was given back to the earth simply by this man taking half an hour out of his day to have a conversation with someone who was in a tough spot. Like, yeah, absolutely. So it's it just shows this is why kindness is my favorite virtue and it's why I have the word kindness tattooed on my arm is that if you can treat every interaction with the idea of treating people with kindness during it, then mm. the world will be a better place no matter what you do as long as that's how you're approaching it. And he he did that with kindness and compassion. My other favorite virtue, my second favorite virtue, the one I struggle with more. I'm better with kindness. Compassion is the one that I have to think about. <laughs> <laughs> well, if it wasn't for this, uh, all the poop talk at the beginning, this would have been a really heartwarming episode. <laughs> it's heartwarming and gut-wrenching, just like the poop. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Mind you, the next story is still pretty heavy. Uh, so uh, if you're just feeling vulnerable, maybe just, set this one out we will probably do some stupid story next that is nowhere near as heavy (laughs) it's no problem we won't love you any less (laughs) so our next hometown hero is from a bit further abroad about 10,000 miles abroad in London the name Nicholas Winton may not immediately spark recognition but for the 669 children he saved and their families his actions were unforgettable his story is now the basis for a new movie that has just come out starring Anthony Hopkins, sorry, Sir Anthony Hopkins, mm-hmm. One Life. The movie is based on the autobiography by Nicholas's own daughter, Barbara. This is not, this is not like sponsored or anything. It was just serendipity. <laughs> When's it coming out? It's out now. Oh. I Googled it because I was like, oh, it should be coming out soon, I think, because I saw a trailer for it somewhere. And it's called One Life? Mm-hmm. Oh, nice. But it was 669. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I think the one life is his life. Oh yeah, yeah. That makes more sense. <laughs> they got the numbers wrong. Did anyone tell? Yeah, them? didn't she got them really wrong? Like six hundred sixty-eight wrong. I'm, I'm bad at math, as we all know, but like that's real wrong. Yeah, that's like a completely different amount of digits. The numbers guy needs to be fired. Yeah. <laughs> Nicholas was born into a wealthy family in Hampstead in London in 1909. I used to live in Hampstead, actually, in my brief time living in London, and it's lovely. Oh, is it? It's got got the Hampstead Heath, which is stunning. It's just a beautiful part of London if you can afford to live there. Lovely. (laughs) Yeah, the whole of London. But it's very expensive. (laughs) (laughs) By the time 1938 rolled around, unrest in Europe had spread, and Germany had begun annexing surrounding nations. Tensions were at an all-time high. In November of 1938, Hitler had instructed his paramilitary squads to carry out a coordinated and heinous attack on Jewish homes, businesses, and places of worship. The night would become known as the Night of Broken Glass or Kristallnacht. The world as it was known was on the brink of war. Got any jokes, Anna? Anything you want to say about brink, that? Brink of war. Okay, we've covered suicide. Now we're on to the brink of war. I don't know. What have you done to me, Gabby? I, I mean, I literally put you I literally put you on the spot to be like, got any... Got any horrific jokes to go along with our content today. <laughs> a young Nicholas put his life on hold as a stockbroker when he received a call from a friend. His friend had asked Nicholas to assist him in aiding refugees in a region the, to the west of Czechoslovakia. While a program called Kinder Transport had begun in Germany and Austria to assist primarily Jewish children out of danger to Britain, no such program was in place in Czechoslovakia, leaving many children at the mercy of an increasing hostile travel restrictions. Like any good stockbroker, Nicholas understood that flattery was good, but bribery was better, and he was ready to put his fluent German and understanding of money to the test. Nicholas, his mother, and a group of volunteers would form what would be known as the British Committee for Refugees from Czechoslovakia. It's a mouthful. British Committee for Czechoslovakia Refugees from (laughs) (laughs) Czechoslovakia. BCRC. The British Committee for Refugees from Czechoslovakia. 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Czechoslovakia on its own is quite a mouthful. The crook. Huh? BCRC. Oh. <laughs> BCRC. Yes. Yes. I was like, I Anna, are you okay? How is that wine going? Are you good? <laughs> By cutting secret deals with Gestapo agents, Nicholas was able to arrange forged documents in foster families in Britain and secure nine railway trains to take children from Prague and Czechoslovakia to London. As many as 900 children registered under this scheme. I do have a joke about Czechoslovakia. You better Czechoslovakia before you wreck us of Lachia. Love it. Thank you. Love it. More of a think, little limerick. <laughs> whatever. I mean, yeah, more of a, a 90s. Uh, Something fun to say. Back. Yeah. <laughs> whereas we're going back to a, a 30s to 40s ro- throwback yeah it's, it's probably not everyone at the time would be like can you please not? yeah you just sound <laughs> like you're slurring right yeah. <laughs> which you are what do you mean unfortunately nicholas's efforts attracted the attention of the gestapos ones who wouldn't be bribed in early 1939 nicholas entrusted two friends Trevor Chadwick and Bill Barazetti in charge of the operation in Prague and moved back to London. Back on home soil, Nicholas was able to enlist small foster families for the incoming children, raise money and arrange transportation. Thankfully, Trevor was able to bribe key Nazi transport officials on the long journey between Czechoslovakia and England. Now, I Googled this because I was curious because, mm. you know, Australians, we don't really, when it comes to travel, we're pretty blasé about how long. Everything's going to take a long time over here, so we just accept it. This is what yeah. I found interesting in, in England when someone would be like, oh, we could go to this other house party, but we'd have to catch a 20-minute a Uber, and everyone would be that's like, 20 cool. minutes? And I'm like, yeah. in a, in Australia, that's 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 Nothing good. Close. Like, yeah. I tried to throw a house party, and I barely anyone came because they were like, I'm not travelling for that. Rude. Like, like, I don't live in your house. So what do you want me to do? <laughs> yeah, like, what do you want? <laughs> So the train journey between Prague and London takes approximately 20 hours nowadays. And I can imagine it takes a lot longer in 1939 with all the checkpoints. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, with all the checkpoints. Mm. Oh, gosh. Yeah, it would have taken a while. The first train left Prague on March 14th, 1939, mere hours before German occupation of Czechland began. The dangerous operation continued through August with seven trains travelling through to safety but not all of the children fully grasped the magnitude of their journey. I didn't think it was scary because it was quite an adventure for a seven-year-old to be put on a train and sent off to an unknown destination, recalls Peter, who was about to become a doctor and psychotherapist in his adult life. Oh, wow. And he's just kind of like, ooh, uh, what a fun time. Oh, well, he would have been a good psychotherapist with all that trauma. Oh, yeah. He's like, you think that's bad. I'm sorry your wife dumped you, but I survived the Holocaust. No, Gabby, that's a bad therapist saying you oh. think that's bad. <laughs> it's, a, it's a therapist that can empathise with your trauma, not oh. minimise. <laughs> I've, I've got to call some people. <laughs> yeah, wait, my therapist is terrible then. <laughs> can you tell I don't have one? <laughs> get one everyone get one i'm sure peter is a fantastic therapist. yeah depressed or not get a therapist he's 92 92 still kicking yeah absolutely good for him and he looks like a total sweetheart we will post a picture of peter um we can post a picture of him when he's older but i already have a picture saved of him when he's younger he's so cute i love that it's like old-timey photos kids just look so cheeky (laughs) yeah the last train however would not reach its destination on the 1st of September, 1939, Hitler invaded Poland. The final train destined for London that day was carrying 250 children when the borders were closed. We cannot know for sure what happened, but the children abroad were never seen again. While the 669 surviving children were lucky to escape with their lives, many were made orphans by the atrocities. They did go on, however, to live full and rich lives. Well, I guess that's good, but fucking hell, Gabby. Yeah. God, yeah. so they they were those all those children on that train. It was, it was the most packed train. Was the last one that oh, went missing. Why did they leave all of them to be? You know, well, just think, chuck twelve on the were last desperate one. Desperate, and they didn't yeah, know for yeah. sure what was going to happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Obviously, it's obviously. So look, I'm just like that's just that's it's just, just sad. Sad. it's just incredibly sad. Yeah, yeah. It's awful. You know, the more and more I learn about the Nazis. 
the more I detest them. Isn't that funny? That's a controversial opinion. And I, I don't know. Look, I don't want to. I don't want to take sides or anything. It's but I think crazy right now. I look. Yeah, you know, and you know, just following orders. But Jesus Christ, this is. I'm thinking about that whole following orders thing. I've got a little psych, uh, you know, little tidbit bit of psych information. Oh, yeah. So in the 60s, um, a psychologist called Milgram did what was become become became to be known as the infamous Milgram experiments. Oh, yeah. And basically it was about the obedient nature of humans. Oh. And what he did was he had a bunch of actors in one side of the room that were supposedly strapped to uh, a machine to electrocute them. And on the other side, he had participants. And so they were told to increase the voltage of what the actors were being electrocuted with and to see if they would. And the researchers who were obviously running the experiment, they fully thought they were electrocuting people. And the researchers were told to tell them to continue more and more and more. And people were thinking they were electrocuting people to the point where they were, like, passing out, screaming, like... Isn't even some of them dead? Like, they thought that they'd actually kill them. They just stopped responding. Yeah. Like, it bad. And and 80% of the people in the experiment did what they were told. And And, and wasn't it, like, even more affected if the person was wearing a lab coat? Oh, I don't. Oh, I don't know about that. It could be right though. That sounds right. Well, you know, if there's a, <laughs> if there's what I've called uh, apologies <laughs> archipelago <laughs> next week, um, then we will cover that. But yeah, that does sound right. That um, yeah. Look, this is the one thing that you know. There's a few things I like about being neurodivergent, and one of them is my natural uh, ability to be defiant. Hmm, there you go. Yeah. I just go, well, um, don't tell You told me to do. Yeah, it's like when people go, oh, you need to read this book or you should watch this show. I'm like, well, now you've screwed yourself because I'm oh, not going to do it. Oh, see, I'm a people pleaser. So to their face, I'll be like, oh, yeah, absolutely. That sounds great. I'll put it on a list. I wrote it on a list on my phone. I will never watch it. <laughs> yeah, I just much. don't want to upset people. So I tell them, oh, yeah, that sounds great. I very rarely follow through. Yeah, yeah. Like well, if you're one of the blessed people that I actually took your advice and watched something be on it because it does not happen well there you go that's yeah look to be honest i do write shows down but books i just tell them straight up i ain't doing that i Uh, can't read yeah yeah what do you mean you you read you can read (laughs) all right brag yeah fucking out good for you i guess road signs are a mystery to me (laughs) why are all the little men outside (laughs) <laughs> what does the green man mean? What does that mean? Yeah. <laughs> what are these numbers? <laughs> All right, go ahead. Sorry. We, I, don't uh, I have to be I've actually written another little side note, but it's relevant to the story. Okay. Time. Um, so my grandma and her little brother actually sent away uh, during World War Two because they lived in a coastal town in Australia and they were sent away to regional Australia during the war oh. on the off chance that we were bombed by the Japanese. My God. Yeah. Well, the, my mum was in England and she got sent off to a farm. That makes sense, though, because London was absolutely fucked up. Yeah, yeah. As Wait, was this like my mum? No, it couldn't have been my mum. She was born in the <laughs> 50s. It was my grandma or something. <laughs> my mum's like, <laughs> yeah. She's like, bitch, I'm only 70. Why are you aging me so hard? <laughs> makes sense. Okay, we're not good at maths on this podcast. If you want a maths podcast, go elsewhere. Yeah. If you want a maths podcast in general, I don't think we're the podcast for you <laughs> because are. that's a really strange podcast to crave. I mean, I guess if you were like, maybe if you were studying maths and you're like, I need a different format in which yeah. to study. Maybe if it was I based can't on. I imagine what that would look like. Yeah, maybe if it was based on like that book, Freakonomics or something, that would be oh, pretty yeah, interesting. Be yeah. I can't but... imagine anything worse. That sounds like something you torture with me with. Anyway, so. Ooh, okay. <clears throat> Back. Back to Nicholas. After the war, Nicholas would go on to join the Royal Air Force as an officer, as well as continuing his work with refugees and raising money for charity. But his valiant efforts to save children in Prague was kept a secret, even to his own wife, Brit. Brit found Nicholas's old scrapbook in the attic, a motley crew of names of children and colleagues, pictures and letters from foster families. But Nicholas didn't believe anything that happened would be considered noteworthy after so many years. Brit gave Nicholas's scrapbook to a Holocaust historian, Elizabeth Maxwell, and a BBC article followed. But what you may remember the best is an episode of the BBC TV show, That's Life. And now elderly Nicholas sits in the crowd with his wife, Rit, when the host, Esther, asks the audience, is there anyone in this audience tonight who owes their life to Nicholas Winton? 
The audience surrounding Nicholas get to their feet as Nicholas looks on, shocked and brought to tears. Many of the audience were also not told there would be so many other surviving children in the audience. Oh, my god! The Winter's children. It's crazy, isn't it? It's it would have honestly... been tingly. Like, I'm getting goosebumps all over me right now. And... I watched the video again last night and cried. <laughs> oh, that you've got to put a link to the video. I will, yeah. Now, we're going to put the video on our socials because it's it's beautiful. It's very heartwarming. Yeah. Oh, yeah. gosh. Just the whole audience. And that's not even all of them. No, no. That's just some of the ones that we're happy to travel. Some of the ones that, yeah, we're happy to go to the recording studio in wherever the hell. Probably London. Yeah. So Winton's children, as they became known, were together again. Amongst many accolades, Winton was knighted in 2003 for services to humanity. In 2009, a replica train named the Winton travelled from Prague to London to commemorate the train's journey all those years before. The train carried on at some of some of Winton's children who met Mr. Winton when they arrived in London. Oh, oh my gosh, my heart, my cold, dead heart is warming back up. This is. I was so writing sick. this just being like, this is fucking hard. Yeah, it's a lot. Oh. You take a short break to cry, anyone? Yeah, right. It's reminding me there's a, I don't know whether the statue was for the same guy or not, but when I was in um, Hungary, yeah, it was Hungary, there was a statue for a guy. It was a really beautiful statue. So the way that they'd made it was that one side was this man standing tall and the other side it was kind of made in a semi-abstract way where these children kind of like hiding behind the frame of him oh. and and it was this man that was responsible for uh it wasn't the same guy because one it's hungry and two um what he did was actually teach kids uh christian prayers like jewish kids te- taught them like christian prayers taught them uh it like christian kind of belief systems and stuff and mm. and then um falsified their papers and and oh. like took them away from that like yeah so they were able to face as as christian kids and like that oh, they weren't going to get taken and i think he did have to bring them into schools and stuff like that but he got commemorated in hungary cuz that there was a huge a huge amount of people died in hungary um cuz it was occupied and that um so that was it was quite a moving statue i saw it in the middle of a winter festival where i was drinking mulled wine and having a grand old time and then i read this plaque and then i was like oh gosh yeah i forgot about my depression <laughs> but also at least oh, it's a right. i'm very very sad <laughs> yes but at least it's a positive note and then like the next well, day we can, we can yeah. have him maybe next time because i have a whole list of hometown heroes i'd like to cover oh yeah well and... we'll see if we can find his name out yeah, that'd be good. And also, it's like if, if people have a hometown hero that they feel like would need some recognition, they feel deserve something, like a shout-out or oh, story. I would know. love to. Oh, my gosh. Even if you want to nominate someone that is even just, like, still existing and hasn't been given an Order of Australia or whatever, yeah. you know, like someone who's literally, like, your uncle. and like, Yeah, tell us why your uncle is a hometown hero. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> we, we will be the judge, but tell us anyway. <laughs> yeah, your uncle's like, oh, he's fine. Like, yeah. He, he makes a good pork roast. Yeah. yeah he makes <laughs> not the same. Yeah. Did that pork roast feed 669 starving children? No? If it did, we'll mention him. Yeah, if, he, if it did. Yeah, even 500 will take. <laughs> yeah, we'll take that. Eva, who was also saved by Nicholas's effort, remembers, he wasn't very interested in being thanked. He was interested in what my life had become. That's who he was. So Nicholas Winton enjoyed a full life and passed away in 2015 at the age of 106 is estimated 6,000 people today are alive because of Sir Nicholas's bravery. Wow. And that's not even counting the kids that they had? Oh, that is counting. Oh, that is Sorry. counting. Of course, yeah. 6,000. So of course. That's counting their families. That's counting their, their, their children, that's... their grandchildren, their great-grandchildren. Oh, my God. Like, and the fact that he didn't even tell his wife about it. He just didn't think it was noteworthy. Do you think that was the reason or also to protect her? I mean... Possibly, but they'd met kind of after the war. So. Oh, oh, oh. Yeah. 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 He just didn't think that was noteworthy. I guess also how do you bring that up in a conversation? If you are that kind of person, you're probably also incredibly humble because, yeah, if you end up being the kind of person that wants to shout about the great things that you do, we probably wouldn't have had so many trains get through. 
Like, yeah, that's very true. Yeah, that is very true. But it is amazing that you know you married someone and you didn't think that this was an important thing to tell them that you did. Like, yeah, at any point during that. Yeah, like like fifty years. Exactly. Like, uh, you know, one time I helped save the life of a hedgehog. Genuinely, <laughs> I've told people that on a first date. Oh, absolutely, that's perfect first date. <laughs> it's just I one hedgehog. To hear that story as a first date <laughs> it's just but I think it's like if you watch the video and we will post the video because you can't not watch it no. it's perfect um he just he's very uncomfortable with the attention you can see it on his face he's very uncomfortable mm. with the fact that people are praising him because I think he considers what he did what any good person would do mm. he doesn't think of it as incredible and amazing and he just thinks of it as something we we are required as good people to do. I really don't think he considered himself a hero. And if only that's how everyone felt. Because, yeah. like, it, it, it's one thing, okay, so I'm not trying to say I'm a great person or anything, but <laughs> one thing I thought was really strange was when I had, I you know, anyone that knows my comedy career knows that I had an abortion. <laughs> um, and when I started speaking about that on stage, people kept on telling me that I was brave. And I found that so confusing because to me, it was like, I'm just talking about something that is important to me. And I think I can, I can talk about, I know I can make fun of it. I know that mm-hmm. much. Like that's yeah. the main thing I know, you know, I've got a it's haunted cunt. You do whatever you need to with it. Exactly. And then I realized that there's certain um, terms that we use to describe people that you can't give yourself, that it's only ever bestowed upon you by other people. And one of those is bravery. And another one is courage. These are things you can't feel, you know? Yeah, that's true. You can't like, you can't be like, hi, my name is Gabby. I'm very courageous. Yes. That would be like, okay, Gabby. Um, are you a care bear? Ma'am, you? this is a Wendy's. <laughs> that's just on my resume. Yeah. I'm a very brave woman. Yeah. Why? <laughs> <laughs> because I wear period undies. <laughs> oh, God, that is brave. Or you could be like the women in the ads. I wear white during my period. Oh, now. my God. I wear white full stop. That is bravery. I say that wearing a white top, but I'm also very, oh, look, see, there we go. I've got a stain on it. Don't even know where that's from. That's really annoying. Oh, yeah, no, white is is for people who can keep things clean. And that's not me. I can't can't keep anything clean. But it's, it's just clearly he was the right man for the job. I feel like this is also just another case of the right man for the job. We've got Don Ritchie and then we've got Nichols here where it's just, you need someone who's humble, who's not going to be ch- talking about how fucking great they are the whole bloody yeah, time. Absolutely. Yeah, they're the right person for the right time, and often that means a quiet hero. Yeah, I like that. I like that a lot. I, I, I mean, I know today's episode has been really heavy, and you know, we've obviously talked about some really heavy stuff, but like, I still come away from this, and I came away from this when I finished writing it. It's like I still feel like a it gives a lot of hope because they're, you know, for all of the bad people in the world, for all of the Hitlers, mm. there are people like Don and Nicholas who give me hope. Yeah. Humanity. I hope there aren't that many Hitlers, but I do appreciate what you're saying. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. For I all mean, of the Hitlers that we have. <laughs> no, for every Hitler, we've got one Don Ritchie and it's like, well, 500 to 6 million uh, is a little yeah, bit of a gap. But I appreciate what you're saying is that, but it's like it's the spectrum of it all, you know. Like yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, most people are not. I, I don't like calling anyone evil per se, but you know, people are not. Yeah, you're absolutely right. People aren't. It's not black or white. People aren't evil versus you know courageous. Good. Yeah, courageous, good. brave. You know, yeah. it's you know we're all just trying our best. But like when people like like Don and Nicholas do their best, wow, do they do their best? Yeah. <laughs> is better than vast majority of people literally and it and it inspires the rest of us to be better like how can you yeah, help someone cool. else out and maybe like that's what people could take from this episode is no we're not expecting you to smuggle 669 children out of danger if you can go for it yeah. but you know like with the parents permission but like <laughs> yeah please don't smuggle them away yeah. from their parents don't yeah, convince yourself that you're getting them to safety when really you're just yeah. kidnapping a bunch of fucking kids <laughs> 
European children alone. Yeah, and don't rugby tackle every single person you see at a, a viewpoint on a on a nature trail near some cliffs. They might yeah. just be there for tourism. But yeah, if they've this, got a camera, they're probably just there to take pictures. Exactly. But if you can find something kind to do for a stranger, even if that's just holding the lift door open for them, smiling at someone as you walk past, you know, just doing the small things tipping people you know that's tipping. that's yeah. a nice heroic we're, thing you can we do. Don't, we're not a big tipping culture but i think it's like it's an optional thing and it's, that's what i like about exactly. it exactly it's, like, it's a nice thing you don't yeah have to do it. and if you can afford to get yourself food delivered you can afford to chuck them two bucks it's a little sum sum yeah. you know it's not like the u.s where we're like if you don't give 15 percent you. you're but, a horrible person <laughs> it's like no your government is horrible for not giving people a good enough minimum wage oh, that's, that's this is a whole other <laughs> next episode on weird as why is tipping culture toxic (laughs) but oh well thank you for that gabby i feel okay i don't feel as depressed as i thought i was gonna be it's an emotional roller coaster it is but there's some so many positives at the other end of it isn't there and absolutely yeah we can only do what we can do and some people what they can do is a lot more than what i realized we could do yeah I mean absolutely I mean I think it you know it helps to have resources and everything yeah. but at the end of the day it just puts some good in the world yeah just yeah. a little something something just a little something, something yeah I want to just cover um support services available oh yes um if any of the topics of today's episode brought up difficult feelings please don't hesitate to re- reach out help mm-hmm. is available mm-hmm. the number for lifeline is 13 11 14 number for beyond blue is 1300 224636 and the number for 13 yarn for indigenous and torres strait island listeners is 139276 these numbers are for australian support services but i'll be linking international support services on our socials as soon as i figure out how yeah good stuff and the other thing i would suggest for people is an emergency room is for emergencies and if you think you're going to kill yourself that and i cannot stress this enough is an emergency just Absolutely. take yourself straight in there and tell the triage nurse how you're feeling. They will have contacts with support services where they can get you the help that you deserve, that you need, that you should have, because the world is a better place with you in it, whether you believe it or not. Absolutely. Yeah. Think of how your life could do good. You could be there to do good and wonderful things, yeah. just like Donna Nicholas would want you to be. Yeah, absolutely. What a wonderful, um, like heartwarming yet sad, but also good episode. Thank you so much, Gabby, for all the work you put into it. Well, thanks for listening, guys. Thanks for listening. We will see you next week. See, or whenever we decide to release it. Yeah, when, whenever the hell we feel like it. And Come tell us what to do. Yeah. If you have any hometown heroes you'd like us to talk about, please get in touch. We will have socials up and running by the time we get we release. Release this socials. <laughs> tell us. Tell us about your cool uncle. Yeah, or cool. I don't even care. What are they doing? A bunch what of makes them kids from wherever. 